Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 14, I want to read you, and then we're going to step into um, Acts chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, you can mark those two spots. If not, we're going to have a sweet Bible up here on the screens for all of y'all to see. Uh, but if you want to check if I'm preaching what's really in the good book, open your book. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God. Somebody th- say, thank you, God. Come on, I know you haven't thanked God in a long time. Someone say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But thanks be unto God who always leads us in a triumphal procession. Who always, the key words there are who always leads us. Who always is leading us. I know sometimes we feel like God's not there, but he's always leading us. If he's not in front of you, you might have jumped past him. Or you've been waiting in the wrong spot. God is always looking to lead us. And it says he's looking to lead us in a certain way. What does it say? In a triumphal procession. In Christ. And through us uh, spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This aroma uh, is not just for um, the aroma that happens in our lives. is not just for the world or for the church. It's also for God. That God is drawn to a certain aroma. And that aroma is, is when we're in Christ and we're in this triumphal procession. Then that aroma happens. And this is why God is drawn to this kind of worship. Now, let me explain this because this is kind of just crazy words. We don't even use these words today. The words triumphal procession uh, is actually not victory. It's what happens after a victory. It's the party. Somebody say party. After the victory goes down. After the king fights the battle and, and, the, the, and, and the kingdom, after the king and the kingdom win the battle, it's what happens following the battle that is called a triumphal procession. So God is leading us in this thing called a triumphal procession. Good, I thought I lost you for a second. A triumphal procession. And, and, and when we sit in that triumphal procession with God, then his, the aroma of Jesus is spread everywhere. And, and, so, and so, so this is what happens. So let me show you a picture of what a triumphal procession looks like. Um, I snapped this from no other than Google, um, and so thank you for Google Jesus. Uh, and, and look at this, this is like some archaic, um, it's really good, I'm looking like 3D scratching stuff right there, that, that's pretty awesome. Hey, you're welcome, thank you, I, I found that myself. And, and so this is what it looks like. It, it is a picture, when Jesus, when God said this, you are the triumphal procession, he's leading you in this, this is the picture that people would have got. And, the, and the, the understanding of this, would it be a triumphal procession happens after a kingdom is taken over by another king. 
So after they've gone to war and the, and, and the one king smashes the other king and the other kingdom, this is, this is what takes place, a triumphal procession. And what the king would do is he would prepare four white horses and he would get in a chariot behind the four white horses and there would be trumpets. It would be a parade. This is crazier than the rose uh, parade out, out in Pasadena. This is wild. The king, everyone... Watch this. The parade is, is, is the, the, the bystanders in the parade are those that have been tortured by the other kingdom, that have been threatened by the other kingdom. We're going to take you out. We're going to kill your family. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take away your homes. We're going to take away. And here's our king who's won the victory. And, and, and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do now, the triumphal procession. We're, we're going we're gonna to go through the town. And, and we got the white horses, the chariot, and the trumpets. It's, it's, a, it's a party. And, and then they would, the king would invite his family into the chariot, his family who didn't fight in the battle, his family who stayed home while he fought, and his family would get to ride in the chariot, not because of what they earned, but because of who they were. They would be invited into the chariot. And then the enemy would be captured, stripped naked, and drug behind the back of the chariot, and they would drive this chariot through both kingdoms. Now, here's the picture. <laughs> this is awesome. But thanks be unto God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Now, this is our job as Christians. Our job as Christians is not to win the victory. The victory has already been won. We are not praying so the devil will run away. Or we're not, we're not fighting the enemy. Look, we are fighting ourselves to stop fighting the enemy and get in the, in the vehicle that God has prepared as family, we didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. But God is inviting us not into victory. He's already won the victory. He's inviting us into the triumphal procession where we lead the enemy through the kingdoms of earth. And we let this earth know there's a new sheriff in town now. There's a new king in town now. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's conquered my fears, my shames, my worries. Right, so this is what we're doing. This is what we're here to do. This is why we're excited. This is why it's a party. But many times in church life, we forget that the enemy, even though he's been stripped naked of his power and he's being drugged behind the chariot, God did not take him out yet. So here he is behind the chariot. The enemy, he's not dead. He's waiting judgment. And he speaks to us from behind the chariot. We have to make the choice, do we step out of God's presence to go listen to the enemy, or do we stay in the chariot? You can hear him from the chariot, but you're not affected by him from the chariot. The moment you get down to his level, see many times I've gotten down to the enemy's level, I'm like, what are you saying down there? Oh yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know, what, what's going on? And what happens is somehow he wraps the same entanglements that are on him around me. And then it's not just him being drugged behind the chariot, it's me. And here I am, God's judging me. Religion hates me. God doesn't love me. You know why I feel that way? Because I'm in the wrong position. It was never my position to lay down with the enemy and listen to his voice. 
Why am I talking about this right now? Because we're talking about the voice of God. The reason why I'm talking about that is tonight, we're, 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 just, we're opening up a can of the voice of the enemy, but we're not going to focus on the enemy, because if we focus on the enemy, that's doing that. We're, we're, the Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Meaning, when you get up into your rightful position as son or daughter of the Most High God, then the enemy is subject not to you, but to what God already did for you. Now let's, now let's jump over uh, to, to, to Acts chapter 28. It says this in Acts chapter 28, and this is a really, really cool moment. There's, it starts in 27, but just continues in 28. For sake of time, I'm just going to start right in 28 at, at the good part. Uh, verse 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Somebody say Malta. Malta. Which in the original language means honey. So th this was a good place. They've ended up in a good place. Anybody like being in a good place? They've, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders there showed us unusual kindness. They built for us a fire, and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Now, this is unusual, and this is why he's writing this, because most of the time when you would end up on a random island and you were with Roman soldiers who the Romans were taking over everywhere, there was about to be a battle that would happen as soon as you ended up on the island. I mean, they were going to try to take you out before you could breathe. They show up on this island out of nowhere, and the, and the, the people that are there showed them unusual kindness and to the point where they built them a fire and helped them get warm by it. So read on. Um, then they built us a fire and, and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul, somebody say Paul. Now Paul's the same guy who wrote 2 Corinthians, the thing we just read a little while ago. Uh, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood as he put it on the fire, this fire that they built, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself to his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from the hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. Now, I do want to let you know they are right. Paul is a murderer. Um, and he has murdered Christians, and God has wrecked his life and transformed his life. Sometimes people will speak over you who you really are without Jesus. They'll judge you. And so, he, 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 so this is just a picture of where Paul really should be. He should be killed because he's a murderer. For though he escaped the sea, the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. I mean, I'm telling you, this could be a sweet movie. But Paul shook off the snake, shook the snake off into the fire. I love that someone said, yeah, he did. Yeah, that boy did. Go get it, Paul. Do your thing, baby. Paul shook off the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time, and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds about him and said he was a god. That's your neighbor say, some people about to change their mind. Some people about to change their mind. Now, Paul, Paul was um, on the way to Rome. Rome at this time was taking over everywhere. They were, they were making roads. There's some, some uh, you know, scholars say all roads lead to Rome. 
a, a lot of these roads that, that were carved and pathed. In fact, Paul often traveled on the roads that the Romans paved in, in cities they conquered. And these roads were very dangerous. Uh, you know, Paul traveled some 10,000 miles on his missionary journeys, journeys walking to preach the gospel. Now, now Paul messes with me a lot because my, uh, uh, I stub my toe Christianity that I kind of get frustrated with or God's not answering me or, you know, it messes with that at least for me, I don't know if it does for you, but I have trouble reading too much of Paul. It's like eating a steak. I can't eat too much or I want to fall asleep and give up. I'm like, dear God, who's this man? Like, it, 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 it tastes so good because I want that. Uh, and Paul traveled over 10,000 miles on these roads that were dangerous. They were more dangerous than walking, you know, in downtown at certain places or certain places you would say, man, it's a dangerous place to walk. These roads were dangerous. In fact, the story of the Good Samaritan was a real story to people that on these roads you'd be robbed you'd be killed you'd be left for dead Paul he was so consumed with preaching the gospel they didn't care what happened to him in fact uh, there's there's one verse that says Paul says I, I was naked I was beaten with rods I was I was I was shipwrecked three times we're about to hear about one of his shipwrecks and he he said I'm, I've been rejected from my own people rejected from the church rejected in the country rejected in the city I mean everywhere Paul went to preach there was either a revival life happened People were transformed or a riot, and they were kicking him out of the city. In fact, some, sometimes as soon as Paul would show up to the city, I can't, I've always thought, how cool would this be in a weird way? I mean, flying in to preach somewhere, and they're like, get him out. I mean, they arrest you at the airport because it's like, dude, this guy is going to turn over our entire city with the word of God. That is what was happening. When before he would even come into a city, they would say, these people have turned the world upside down, and they're here to do the same. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, they weren't like breaking stuff or, or you know, causing vandals. I'm saying that they were upsetting normal reality with this heaven invading earth. Like witches were losing their, their job. Like demons were fleeing. Like people that were making money off of sick people were losing uh, the money they were making. I mean, things were happening. Dead were getting out of coffins. In fact, one time, Paul, when preaching the gospel, that he, his sermon affected them so much the religious people now you didn't know that we are not here to worship a religion Paul Paul none of the apostles liked religion either uh, the religious people are the ones that killed Jesus in fact one time when Paul was preaching they stoned him to death for preaching the gospel which they didn't think was religious enough for them and he's outside the city. They drag him outside the city, and, and, and his homies raise him from the dead. He goes back into the same city and preaches the gospel, and he's like, hello. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Like, he gets in there. I don't know if he did a party dance. I don't, I don't know what he did. Uh, but, but this is the guy we're talking about. Now, now, the picture is this guy is now shackled and chained, and he's on his way to Rome. He's being taken to Rome because they're going to kill him in Rome. He's been tried, and, and he's only been tried for preaching the gospel, right? He's not being tried because he didn't turn in his taxes, or, or like, you know, and he's trying to pray God out of, you know, hey God, I didn't, I didn't pay my parking tickets in downtown, now they're gonna, they're gonna like, they're coming after me, I, I really need you to come through. No, no, Paul was in jail, he was being tried because he was doing the right thing. First thing I want to tell you is, is doing the right thing will always lead to the results, the right results that you want in your current life. 
that, that going after Christ and following Christ does not mean an easy or comfortable life. In fact, it means quite the contrary. It means death to your comfort. So the American church has a problem with this because the American church likes comfort. The American church likes programs and as much stuff they like me, myself, and I church. And I'm not saying you because this is fearless church. We're not the American church. We're wild. We're a kingdom church. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if we've had anyone that's been to an American church, this is what the American church is known for. We are known for making this as comfortable and as nice for ourselves. The problem with that is that's not Christianity. I'm not saying we got to beat ourselves up, but when we go through a battle, we're not throwing our hands up and saying, ah, I can't do this. No, no, this is what we were born for. We are warriors in God's army. We are here to set the captives free in this city, no matter the cost to our lives. Right? Right. Good. Awesome. I got my heart beating fast. I'm like, I got to calm down. You guys are exciting me. And here's Paul, he's, sh he's shackled, he's chained, and he's the under oarsman. He's in the bottom of the ship. You've seen some pictures of these in movies where these, these buffed out, crazy looking dudes, three teeth. I mean, they got tattoos everywhere, and they're just like going, man. Just, and waves are splashing through, and, and, and there's, there's a guy, and they're going, come on, you know, and, and if they stop rowing, he whips them. You've, you've, seen, you've seen videos or movies. If you haven't, go look it up. You'll get the full picture. But here's Paul chained to the oar. And this is what a picture of, of, of pursuing your destiny. What a picture of walking in the full calling of God. Many of us would go, man, this looks like quite a picture of walking in the full calling of freedom, of, of walking in Christ. But Paul was chained outwardly, but he wasn't chained inwardly. You see, Paul was on his way, and they thought Rome was taking Paul. But I, hear, I came here to let you know that Paul was taking Rome. Rome wasn't taking Paul. Paul was taking Rome. He, he, was, he was sent on a mission. See, when you're on mission, nothing really matters. When, when you walk through stuff, it looks different on the inside than it does on the outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Paul was chained outwardly. Outwardly, he looked like he, he had lost. Outwardly, it looked like the devil had won. Outwardly, it looked like, well, I guess the traveling ministry is not really working out for you, Paul. I guess the great idea of preaching the gospel, and Paul would stand up and say, no, I had a dream that I was going to Rome. Ain't I going to Rome? I got a free ride to Rome, and all I got to do is row this ship. Keep it rowing, baby. Paul was on his way to Rome, and, and the Bible says that, they, 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 that Paul had a relationship with some of the captains and the guards. And I, I encourage you this, that the captains and the guards, they did pay attention to Paul. He's escaped at least 15 times from different prisons because of earthquakes, through baskets in the wall. One time escaped through death and came back in life. So they're watching Paul, and they have a relationship with Paul, and Paul tells one of the guards, he said, we should not sail this way. Well, Paul was receiving a picture from the Lord. Remember we talked about God prophetically speaking to you through pictures. Paul got a picture of them sailing a certain way and, and, and wrecking. And he says, look, we should not sail this way. We should sail this way. Now, I'm just telling you, when Paul talks, you should listen. <laughs> and he's telling us, and they say, no, you know what? We're going to listen to the captain of the ship over you. He knows what he's doing. You're just some prisoner. 
Here's the first point I want to tell you. Be cautious, not when the storm is here. But be most cautious before the storm hits. When you're sailing through smooth waters and you decide that the captain knows more than the word of God on the ship. Be cautious that when you're in the good times, you see, it's not the bad times that the enemy has his greatest advantage. It's when everything's going good. It's when the bank account is full. It's when the job is working out. It's when it's all great with everything and and the checks do come in and, and the relationships are going good. It's in those times that we neglect God and we back up from the word of God and say, man, you know, if it was rough, I would go to church and I would be desperate for God, but I don't really need to be desperate for, you know, this is, this is what happens. In the city, I often ask people, can I pray with you about something not that I have any kind of gift that they don't but I just thought man maybe no one's asked you to pray you know who usually turns me down Christians the reason why you say that is because you've heard me say that or maybe you've stepped out and saw the same thing you know they tell me I'm good man I go to church on Sunday and everything's going great and God is good man praise God I'm a deacon in my church I said man but you don't need anything you don't need an encounter from God right now look look the place when we get comfortable is the place when we start going man I got it all down when God when we're not desperate for God look I don't want to be hungry for God I want to be starving for God I want to eat this thing till I can't eat anymore and then I want some more right So as soon as they go the way that the captain tells them, the the, the storm comes. They run into a storm, and the Bible says the ship runs aground, and and they're going crazy. For 14 days and 14 nights, the storm is ripping the ship to shreds. You can imagine being the under oarsman. I mean, the storm is tossing. You can't see anything. All the prisoners are freaking out. These are murderers. These are are people that deserve to be here, and Paul's in there rowing. And the 14th night in the middle of this, God speaks to Paul. Now, remember, the last thing Paul saw was the ship wrecking because they went this way. Can I tell you this? Some of you are on a ship that's going the wrong way because of someone else's decision. And you're in a storm because of someone else's decision. Paul has another vision. And he says, in the vision, an angel stood by me and said, Paul, you will survive this storm. The ship won't make it, but you And everyone here will live. I want to give you a word from God today. I want to give you a word today. I know some of you have ended up in a storm because of someone else's choices. Because of someone else's mishandlings of your life. Because of someone else's anger. Because of someone else's wounds. Because of someone else's fear. You ended up in a bad place because they couldn't manage their life. And some of you are sitting on this boat going, God, am I going to die in this storm? Am I going to die with this fear? Am I going to die with these wounds? And I came to serve notice on the enemy tonight that no matter what the enemy has sent you into, God is standing by you today saying the ship won't make it, but you're going to make it. And some of us are in those storms because we made the choices to get us there. Sometimes we're in a storm and we're praying for a miracle and God goes, you need management. <laughs> I've met so many people like, man, I just believe it for a miracle. In my finances, I'm like, "How have you been tithing lately? Not at all. One day. <laughs> Dude, last week I saw you at 32 restaurants on your Instagram. If you don't have enough money to eat out, why are you eating out? 
eat in. It's a lot cheaper. There's this place called Food for Less. They even got some organic stuff there. Right? Look, if you don't have it, why are you spending? Many of us need a financial miracle, but we just need financial management. We need to learn how to save and how to, how to give our first fruits, and, and then we'll see blessings. And many of us are praying for a miracle in our, in our dating life, but, but man, we haven't taken care of our personal life. We're praying for a miracle, and God's going, you need management. You need to manage your life. You need to manage your time. You need to wake up and pursue me. You want a godly wife, and you're not a godly man. We could say, like, you want a skinny wife, and you're not a skinny man. You want an in-shape husband, and you're not an in-shape wife. Ooh. Oh. You want someone emotionally stable, and you're not emotionally stable. We want it, but we don't want to manage the life that God's given us. Part, part of why God died on the cross is to restore you to the glory that he left Adam as. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So that glory is the ability to manage what comes in and what goes out. God doesn't want just to make you a miracle man. He wants you to make you a management man. He wants to make you a management woman. Not that everything can be done through management, but we got to catch. All right, God, I'm the one who made a choice to get in this storm. You don't even have to save me. I don't need to rebuke the demons when I'm having a heart attack. I need to rebuke the fork and the knife. Right? That's hard. We need management. But, but I came to tell you this tonight, no matter how mismanaged you've had your life, that the Lord is proclaiming over you, although you've led us in the wrong way, Jeremy, although you've missed this, it's never too late for me to turn this ship around. The ship won't make it. There will be losses for my choices. Every choice has its payment. There will be losses for my choices, but I'm not going to die in this storm. I'm going to make it to the other side of this. I'm going to sail again. So the people get in the storm, and the first thing they do in the storm is they, they, they drop the anchors. Now, this is, this is what most of us do in many storms that we go through. We drop the anchors. They drop the anchors because they said, okay, we're going to let the storm take us. Basically, they said, we're going to give up right here because this storm's too big for us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to crush us. So they drop the anchors, and they let the storm lead them. I want to tell you, children of God, no storm is supposed to lead us. When you drop the anchors in this, you're saying, this is my home. This is just how it is. This is just life. This is just the city I live in. This is just the life I was born into. This is just who I am. I'll always be afraid. I'll always be struggling with this. I'll always have this mindset. I'll always have, have difficulty in my finances. I'll always, we, we give up and we drop the anchor in a place we were never meant to live. Look, stop making your storm your home. Whether someone took you into it or you took you into it, stop making this place who you are. This is not your identity. This is not your resting place. This is not your final. Look, I, I had, look I'm, I'm just telling you this from a side of dating because that, that feels like what God's doing tonight. I had so many broken relationships. I had so many broken hearts. 
I, I remember sitting on my floor in my bedroom and just crying out to God, like, God, when are you going to help me with this? Like, I am a mess. I don't know who to date or who not to date. I, I don't know, you know, and I was a mess. And, and God just, I, you got to begin to say, God, you know what? I'm a mess, but make, make a message out of this. Do, you got to get to a point where you start crying out saying, God, no, no, I'm not meant to die here. I'm not going to stay here. I, I, the, the, the crying out is proof that there is faith that this is not your home. The moment you stop crying out is the moment you have settled for this being your life. I'm not here to settle. I'm not here to stop where I'm at. Look, I'm believing for some people that get like Beethoven. You know the story of Beethoven? You know that Beethoven, after he was a success, after he wrote many symphonies, went completely deaf. And to the point where the last symphony he did as a deaf man, he had to turn around and he didn't even know the crowd was clapping. And he saw them all clapping. They said they, they don't know why he went deaf. Maybe it was because he used to stick his head in buckets of water to stay awake to write something that had come in the night. But this man was a man of passion, man. He, he, was, he was not okay to stay where he's at. Didn't care what came at him. They, they said later that, that his understudies would find him in the middle of his room where he would write his symphonies and they found him with all the legs sawed off his piano. And they found him with his ear on the floor, feeling the vibrations of the piano, playing with all his might and his passion. Some of the greatest symphonies he wrote, he wrote completely deaf. That is courage. That's the kind of group that God is looking to awaken. A group that says, man, I'm not dying here. Just because I've, I've been taken out in a certain way, I will do what I got to do to move on. Look, I dare a group of people to, to roll your anchor back up. If you dropped your hope, if you dropped your joy, if you dropped your praise, and you said, man, I guess this is it. I just say, get on the crank and reel that thing back in and say, God, I'm picking my joy back up. I'm picking my finances back up. I'm picking my life back up. And get on the rope. So I'm going further, man. Was I meant to live in this storm? And the storm destroys the boat. And Paul says, all right, it's time. We've hit land. Those that can swim, jump out and swim. Those that can't, how scary would have this been? You're in a storm, you can't swim. Those that can't swim, we're going to get there. God has told me we're going to get there on broken pieces of this ship. Not only can you not swim, we're going to have to beat on this thing till it is utterly destroyed. And all that's left is a couple of shards. And that's how we're going to make it to shore. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to trust some crazy words when you have no other option. And the Bible says that some of them Made it to shore literally on pieces of wood. Floated there. <laughs> holding on for their dear life. <laughs> I mean, what a crazy scene. And they, they get to the shore. I mean, God is into using broken things. Th this picture to me of this broken ship getting them to where they're going is a perfect picture for my life. Because I feel like I've been handed broken thing after broken thing after broken thing. And sometimes I feel like all I got left is what's left over from the wreckage. I don't know if you're with me on this, but have you ever felt like life has just handed you a bunch of wreckage? Here's what I tell you to do. Don't throw away the wreckage. Hold on to it. 
Some of those things that you got through and you made it through are the very things that are going to float you right to the shore. I guarantee when they walked in the boat, this, this plank that just sat on the side, they ignored, you know? I don't even know it's there. I'm looking for the kitchen. Where, where's my oar? This piece I didn't even recognize. But, but now, this piece that I once ignored, that once had no value, is my favorite piece of the ship. It's not my favorite piece because it's, it was in the dining hall. It's not my favorite piece because it was, it was colored the right way. It was my favorite piece because it got me to where I was going. If, if I was that person, I'd hang it on my mantle, my house. Oh, my kids. One day I'd say, you know what, Dad's here because, because of the piece of wood. Dad's, Dad made it on a piece. It was just a piece. I, I shouldn't even been here. I, I didn't know how to swim. I, I was drowning, and just a piece of the ship got me here. I just want you to go look at it, and just if you want to smell it or touch it or get next to it, I'm, I'm just telling you that piece has power. This, this, piece, has, this, this piece has power. Oh, wow. Two pieces of wood. Just a stupid symbol, huh? Just some kind of Christian symbol. No, no, these two pieces of wood are why I'm here today. These two pieces of wood are, are what have power to me. I know, I know it was a death chamber in their time, but these two pieces of wood represent everything to me. They, they represent life. They represent joy. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the rugged cross of Calvary. I, I wouldn't be alive today. And all of a sudden, the thing that had no power... Robert, you're a perfect example of that. You probably used to pass crosses and be like, what's that? Nice religious peace. But now, that cross has power. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to those that are being saved, it's everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone in my family to know. I want all of my, it's weird not to tell people about the gospel. It's weird not to boast about what Jesus did in your life. I know it's a foolish symbol, but it's the foolishness of man that is the wisdom of God. They get there on broken pieces. And as soon as they get there, they said the islanders are unusually kind. It's God showing up in his kindness. They're there, and the Bible says that Paul he starts, he starts looking for how he can help. What, what a man of God. Ladies, if you're looking for a man like Paul, look for a man that serves. Because Paul wasn't chilling at the fire. He was trying to stoke the fire. Uh, that's good. He starts looking for wood to, to keep the fire going. Look, leaders are those who keep the fire going. Leaders are those who, who go out of their way so others can be warmed. Leaders are those who go out of their way so others can have light. Paul had been through the storm himself. Paul also had been through the wreckage. Paul also almost died, but he was consumed with serving others. The Bible says he's, 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 in, the, he's in the brush and he gets a piece of wood. And as he brings the piece of wood to the fire, a snake jumps out and bites his arm. A viper bites his arm. This is crazy. Because Paul was serving God. Paul made it through the shipwreck. Have you ever had life go from bad to better to worse? <laughs> the storm lets up for a second, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. Ah, what's going to die? This is what happened. Just when Paul was tired 
Notice that the viper didn't jump out three weeks later when Paul was finally rested up and he was ready to take on the world. No, it jumped out. You know when the enemy attacks? He attacks when you're tired. If we're talking about the enemy's voice tonight, we're talking about a voice that attacks when you're tired. Be careful of listening to voices you hear when you're tired. The enemy speaks loudest when you're tired. The viper is attached to him. And the people all look at him. They're like, oh my God, he's going to die. God has judged him. He must be a murderer, and he is a murderer. It's funny how he was helping all of them, and then as soon as he's in a bad situation, all of them are pointing the finger at him. And God's not going to heal Paul in spite of them only. He's going to heal Paul in front of them as well. Because Paul, if I was Paul, I would have pulled off the snake and looked at it and said, you stupid little snake. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you know who I am? I am Paul of Tarsus. I, I am a Hebrew among Hebrews. I am a Jew among Jews. I, I am a child of the Most High God. I, I was knocked off my horse. God showed up in a powerful light. He called me to preach the gospel in Rome. I'm going to Rome. I'm not on Rome yet. And so your little bite does nothing to me. Go ahead and bite me again. You want to bite me over here? Because no matter how much you come against me, you will not prevail and distort my destiny. Do you know I've been shipwrecked? I've been naked. I've gone without sleep. I was stoned to death one time. Do you think a little, do you think I'm afraid of you? Do you see the wreckage right in front of me? That's the wreckage. I'm not burning it because I'm saving it to remind you every day that my God saved me then and he's going to save me now. He got me through it then and he's going to get me through it now. He took me out of prison then. He's going to take me out of prison now. So that's what I would have said if I was Paul. But Paul, he did the biblical thing. Because God never tells you to talk to the devil. What does he tell you to do? Resist the devil. Resist your urge to speak back to him. Look, I don't have any time to waste on your lies. I don't have any breath to give. Every breath, every word that comes out of my mouth will be a positive word, will be a word of life. I don't have time to talk to you. Paul simply shook the devil off. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake off your fear. Shake off your worry. Shake off that thing that's attached itself to you. It only jumped out of you because you got next to the fire. Some of you came to church and all of a sudden something got on you. Shake it off. Some of you need to shake off apathy. Shake off average. You weren't born and designed to be average. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to sit in a pew. He died on the cross so we can bring people to the pews to receive Jesus from the cross. He died to set all men free. Look, shake it off. Some of you need to shake off your past 10 relationships that wounded you. It's time for you to step into your destiny. Some of you need to shake off your past five pastors that hurt you so you can come into this church and be a part of the family. Some of you need to shake off your own agenda so that God can begin to work in the way he wants to work in your life. 
Some of us need to shake off our wounds and our unforgiveness that we've just been letting sit on us. Well, I guess I'm just a dead man. This thing's just hanging on me. I made it through the storm. I came through on a piece of wood, but I guess it's just not much of a life. I had about 10 minutes of life after I got through the storm. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross, but this new life I have, it's not much because I just got bit by a viper. It just just bit me, and now, now all I have to do is die. And they waited for him to die, and he doesn't die. God didn't heal Paul in spite of them, in spite of their accusations. He healed him in front of them. God wants to heal you in front of your family, in front of the people that have spoken over you. He wants to use your life as a message through Hebrew boys. You know the story? There were three of them, and they got thrown into the fiery furnace, and the Bible says there was a fourth man in the fire. But the Bible doesn't say the three Hebrew boys saw the fourth man. I don't know if they saw him at all. The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar looked in and saw the fourth man. God is not trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to put you in the fire to reveal himself to others around you. He's trying to not just heal you in spite of them. He's trying to heal you in front of them. Look, you don't need to just shake off. In other words, you don't need to shake off the snake for you. You got to shake it off for them. You got to shake it off so they see how bad your God is, how amazing it is. You got to shake off fear, not because you don't want to live with fear, because you don't want them to think your God. And I find it interesting that he bit his hand. Could have bit his earlobe, could have bit his knee, his toe, but he bit his hand. After he shook it off, The Bible says they changed their mind about Paul. And they said, he's a God. I'm sure at that moment, Paul told them about Jesus. It's not the first time people thought Paul was a God, by the way. But every time he would say, no, 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 you got this wrong. There is a God in heaven. They see that he's a miracle working man, so they say, hey, our our chief is sick. They bring Paul to a place where outsiders did not get to go, into the the quarters of the chief who's sick of the whole nation. Paul prays for him. He has has a deadly disease. Paul prays for him in the Bible, and he gets better. After he gets healed, for the next three months, Paul and all the homies hang out on the island, and they bring every sick person on the island to Paul, and he prays healing over them with his hand. Wow, isn't that unique? The very hand that was going to heal a nation, the very hand that was going to bring wholeness to others, was the hand that was attacked. There were 300 people on the boat. Not one of them was bitten. But the hand that was about to bring healing to a nation was the one the enemy chose. Ah, ah. I, don't, I don't know if you get this at all. I don't know if you're catching this at all. But some of you have been bitten by something that, did, that seemed like it came out of nowhere. I came to serve notice and let you know tonight. I came to prophesy over you. There's a reason why that viper attached itself to you. There's a reason why it came after you. Why it's been trying to take you out. Because the very place you've been attacked, you will set nations free from.
very hand that was attacked was the one. Why? Because the enemy knew what was coming. He could see what was coming when Paul couldn't. So therefore, the attack is proof of the call. If you've been attacked in relationships, God's going to use you in power with relationships. If you've been attacked in your finances, God's going to use you in power with your finances. If you've been attacked, if you've been molested, God's going to use you to set people free that are afflicted, that are in pain, that can't get out themselves. If you've been hurt, if you've been broken, if you've been offended, God wants to use you. you got to shake it off. Because as long as that viper's on your hands, your hand won't be healing anybody. Shake it off. This hand was destined for more. Shake it off. This hand was called to more. Shake it off. I'm not here to die here. I'm here to move on. to. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on, I'm here to move to another level. I'm here to move to another level. I'm here to move to another level. I'm going to another level. I'm going to another level. I'm going to... going to another level you know what's unique is that on that island they worship snakes they're all over their temples I guess they found out that day that their God had no power God is in every piece of every story you just got to search for him in yours where are you at in this story Jesus thank you for listening if you have something that you need prayer for we would love to pray for you Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.